This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, The Danger Team. Danger Ho! Good evening, Cheryl. We are, as you know by now, The Danger Team. Or, as Chris is fond of saying, America's newest safety film heroes. Danger? Big Danger. Cheryl, listen carefully. Chris has been kidnapped. We need your help to save him. This is a dream. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that you can store on 83 8-inch floppy disks. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I don't believe in Santa Claus, I don't believe in Peter Pan, and I don't believe in you. (laughs) That's a little snippet of the amazing Oscar-winning dialogue that's in this movie. TV show, whatever it is. That was hurtful, Jordan. Why would you say that to me? It wasn't me. I'm just quoting. (laughs) That's Michael's excuse all the time. This week, we are joined by returning guest, Michael. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be back. What what were you here last for? Uh, Robot Dog 9000. K9000 Robot Dog. Yes, that that's right, K nine thousand. What a what a treat that was! Only to be topped by this one, I'm sure. Yeah, it was pretty good. This one's a bit shorter, so you know that's always nice. <laughs> have to spend two hours watching a horrible movie. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's true. This week we are watching the Danger Team, a failed pilot from 1991. Uh, I assume neither of you had ever heard of this before. No. No, but Tom Green was the writer on it, so that's piqued my interest. But it turns out it was Tom Green with an E at the end, not the other one. So it probably would have ended up the same anyways. Not Canada's favorite son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, uh, for our listeners at home, and probably the both of you, uh, Danger Team aired on ABC. And the best I could pin it down to, it was on July 3rd, 1991. Hmm. This show has seen so little love that, like, there's not a Wikipedia page for it. The IMDb page has no, like, original air date. The only way I was able to, like, it has a year. It has 1991. And if you watch the episode I did on YouTube all the way to the end, there's, like, over the credits, there's, like, an announcer saying what's coming up next. Uh, An episode of Doogie Howser, by the way. Mm. But also that tomorrow was Independence Day. So... (laughs) The only way I'm able to know this happened on July 3rd was because that announcer happened to mention tomorrow is Independence Day. So what I've learned from this, Luke, is you're a much better detective than the character in the TV show who wants to be a detective. Michael, did I steal that from you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. I was waiting. But I wanted to give you the chance because you're the host, right? But, <laughs> God damn it. You're both just itching to call me a detective. <laughs> from what I could tell looking into the credits of this, I did not see like any clear driving creative force behind it, which is not a surprise because this feels like like half an idea written on a napkin. But I did write down a little bit about the like people involved in the show. All right. The biggest people who seem to be important are the people credited with the animation because this is a partially claymation Roger Rabbit style television program. That's pretty insulting to Roger Rabbit, to be fair. I just mean live action meets animation. Right, right. And the two guys credited on this show... One of them kind of doesn't have a lot of credits to his name, and the other one ended up becoming like a bit of an animation writer, and he's still working to this day. 
But around this time, they appear to be making lots of claymation because they were also the creators, or at least the animation creators, behind a SNES title, a Super Nintendo title, called Harley's Humongous Adventure. (laughs) I don't remember that game. Were you a big fan of Harley's Humongous Adventure? I've never heard of it. (laughs) No, I I only know Clay Fighter 64. It's the only claymation game I... Then, Michael, you'll be pleased to hear from the same company behind Clay Fighter. Oh, wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. I kind of tried to dig up some more stuff. Like, it's so poorly researched, or people care so little about the show, there's so little about it. Even, like, the IMDb credits aren't entirely accurate. I had to go back and watch the episode to see the producing credits on it. And weirdly, one of the producers on this show, I believe... If I if if I'm correct, if I Googled this correctly, because he's not credited on IMDb, but is also a producer on Man and Machine, the show we watched, Jordan. Oh, really? I see. That's funny. I I didn't because I did the same thing. I kind of did a quick little look through IMDb and, and Wikipedia and stuff. There's nothing on it, so I'm surprised you even found this much. Yeah, I had to I had to go through the actual credits on the episode and like cross check them because it's it's so badly. I like the IMDb is like missing half the credits because no one's even bothered to upload them. So what you're saying is if anyone really wants, they can just add themselves to this show to give themselves some credits. You could be you could be the creator of this show. <laughs> anyway, that's a bit all I could find on it. Like there's so little written about this show. Um, so I guess we'll just keep moving forward. And that means, Jordan, it's time to learn what happened in the world when the danger team was on television. <laughs> hmm. What's happening in July 1991, right? Uh, surprisingly, I've got a couple things for us. Um, June 29th, so, you know, four or five days before this show uh, makes its uh, prestigious premiere, Kawhi Leonard is born, most famous as NBA Raptors player who led the Toronto, uh, led them to the um, championship, what, last year, I think? Yeah, uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Michael, you're a big Raptors fan, I was right? going to say, if anyone knows basketball, it's Jordan. So <laughs> He's always chanting, we the North at work. Always. <laughs> he loves it. Um, so Kawhi Leonard's won, and then two days before uh, Danger Team premieres, Michael Landon dies. Oh, Michael Landon. I knew that would matter to you, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, Michael Landon. I remember, <laughs> I'm not, I won't even say it because you're just saying how old he was. I was going to talk about his last appearance on Johnny Carson. <laughs> I, I just remember that time you talked with a guest about Little House on the Prairies for 15 minutes. <laughs> I think we cut most of that out. And uh, here's a little something for just Michael. He's not excited about it at all. Wait, wait, wait. You say here's a little... So- what? You didn't say Here, anything. Here's a little something for just Michael. I'm excited. <laughs> I thought we were still talking about Michael Landon. <laughs> Two months after the Danger Team premiered was the release of K9000. Holy moly. That's synchronicities. It's the golden age of uh, cinema. Yeah, that, that really all synced up nicely. Michael, how old were you in 1991? Uh, I was four. Yeah, it was like four and a half. Little four-year-old Michael didn't know that years later he'd be watching all these amazing shows retroactively. Yeah, yeah. I was probably playing ball hockey at the time, right, June? <laughs> um, going back to Kawhi Leonard, I'm always shocked about to hear about all these people that are just much, much more successful than me and much, much younger. So <laughs> just thought I'd say that, you know. Whenever I hear like about, you know, like a new... And uh, sports star or something. I always found they're like 23 years old and they're worth like $20 million. I'm always like, oh, okay. That's a different life. <laughs> you should have used that basketball skills you had. I, I guess so, yeah, yeah. Jordan, it was ball hockey skills. Oh, you should use those ball hockey skills. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, there's not a big market for ball hockey, though. 
I mean, there's a big market in five-year-olds, but other than that, so unless you're like oh, a weirdo that... or something. <laughs> hang, just, on, hang on, hang on, hang we'll, on. We'll, we'll let there's that go. There's a big go. market for ball hockey with, oh, wait, oh man. I'm really, okay, I'm really going to put this All right. to myself here. Right, I'm going to drop it. Shall we bail Shall we bail Michael out of this path? Mm-hmm. All right, I, I think I went down this path last time, too, for some reason. It's, it's, weird, you know, weird where your mind takes you, eh? No, no, no. It takes me in normal places. <laughs> you guys made me think I was nothing. All right? All right. Well, you guys, here is the IMDb summary for the Danger Team. Unavailable. <laughs> uh, but I did manage to pull a summary off of uh, the YouTube I watched. So here, here's what I got off of YouTube. Peculiar circumstances... Peculiar circumstances of I can't do this. Hold on. Peculiar circumstances evolving a visit by singer to her artistic boyfriend, a meteor crashing into the boyfriend's studio, and his talents with claymation creations leads to a most bizarre but uniquely proficient alliance between singer and the claymation creations to solve a crime. I guess that's what it is. It's mostly just like little characters show up for no reason. Part of that was poorly written. Part of that was I stopped knowing how to pronounce words. <laughs> it's a little, uh, what, what do you call it? What's a, a small stroke called? A petite something? Uh, petite mort? I believe that is uh, a little sex. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we begin when we meet our hero, Cheryl. She's a bookkeeper at the Carl Stalling Detective Agency who dreams of one day becoming a detective. Am I the only one who found out who Carl Stalling is? He was uh, he was the, not the composer, but the conductor and orchestrator for all of the music for Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. So that was like a little a little wink to like cartoon animation. That's, that's, yeah, that's for the scholars. <laughs> yeah, that's for the scholars, yeah. <laughs> the the TV, TV historians. Jordan, mm-hmm. put that on IMDb Trivia. Give that page some love. Oh, I should, I should. Um, but yes, uh, Cheryl, her supervisor does not want her to become a detective. He does not believe she can do it because she would need the experience and a good pair of binoculars. I think the point to this character, this boss character, is that you're supposed to, as a viewer, hate him because he's stopping this uh, our, our hero character, our, our protagonist, from rising the ranks. But she has no education. She has no training. She has no experience. And she's upset that she's not getting promoted. She shouldn't get promoted. If it was me, I'd fire her. Also, she like dips out work just randomly for no reason. Yeah, just to go hang out in other buildings. Like, yeah, she sucks. Jordan, you don't need any experience to be a detective. Anyone can be a detective. That's not true. <laughs> you guys detected that whole July Fourth thing, right? If you so... want to work for the Carl Stalling uh, Detective Agency, you need to have a diploma of some sort. <laughs> that whole thing, the the Carl Stalling idea that there's a man named Carl Stalling who runs this detective agency. They really, because we never meet him. I thought the boss she had was Carl Starling, but you come to realize it's just her supervisor later. They were really teasing some big reveal for that character, huh? Yeah, but it doesn't, spoiler, it doesn't happen. It just seemed like a lot of buildup for, I don't know why. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think there was a lot of buildup. I don't think there was a lot of buildup on anything on this show. It feels like at all times, the fastest, but least detailed show I've ever seen. Um, but yes, uh, Michael, to your point, she does dip out of work a lot because apparently there's an animation studio directly above the detective agency run by her friend Christopher Norman, who has just the creepiest Willy Wonka vibe I've ever encountered. I think it's more than her friend, though. I think they're uh, I think they're a couple. I didn't get that feeling from them. I just felt like they were just a weird 
it's like a platonic relationship, but it's a very odd one. I think he wants to be a couple, but she's too oblivious to realize that he wants to be a couple because she's not a good detective. She can't I agree with out. Michael. That's exactly how I felt as well. <laughs> hmm. Isn't that odd? I just assume they were a couple. You always think that, though. Like, you always thought your teachers were married. I did think that Burger King and uh, Dairy, Dairy Queen, Queen were married. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no sense because they're both, you know, buildings, Corporations. But, yeah, corporations. But anyways, that made sense to me as well, a child. Yeah, they could probably get married these days. <laughs> This character, this this animator, Christopher Norman, he uh, he makes his living as a claymation safety film creator, I guess. And his latest creation, um, a claymation character named Danger Duck, is not working. I guess um, the client hates the videos he's made with this character. And I just thought it was so weird. I'm like, is it the character the client hates or is it your videos that he hates? I can't tell. Well, also, would they not have approved the Danger Duck before they went into filming things? It just seems like they haven't done the research of how this world works. I also was, I also thought the same thing. I'm like, I'm like, it feels to me it's less that they dislike your character creation and more they dislike what you're doing. They just don't like Chris Norman. Poor guy with his weird hair and <laughs> face. Um, so uh, Cheryl's hearing all of Chris's complaints up in his studio when suddenly a very small meteorite crashes directly through the window of his animation studio and breaks open on the table his like animation claymation table i guess but that doesn't break the table though that's an it's odd very thing. small apparently slow moving meteorite very fragile yeah it's also filled with goo <laughs> that's there's true. goo everywhere yes and this goo is a clay-like material that also happens to be sentient and follows the toy story rules where if chris tries to look at it when it's moving it freezes <laughs> Is that the t- is that what it's officially called? Toy Story rules. Toy Story rules, baby. They also missed the joke when that happened because he had Danger Duck, and then when he w- when the meteor was coming, they were going over like new danger animals to do. So they said like Danger Bear, Danger Cow, Danger Squirrel, and then oh, what's her name? Cheryl at the end said Danger Duck, but to like say duck for the meteor. But if they didn't put duck in at first as Danger Duck, if they would have had like Danger Dog, then he could have made a joke saying, "Oh no, I don't think Danger Duck's good." And it could be like, no, I mean duck. Classic 90s joke, right? Michael, that's a great punch-up. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe they'll hire me. Uh, we'll, we'll get your resume into the creators of the Danger Team immediately. <laughs> yeah, just send it over to Tom Green. <laughs> so Chris decides that he's got all this meteorite-based clay now over the top of his work table. That why doesn't he use it to make his next safety video characters with? Like this alien clay that has crashed onto his desk. Don't call scientists. Don't call the media. Just just use this random extraterrestrial clay to make three new safety video characters. He's an artist. I'll say this for Chris. He's got a one-track mind. He may not be very good at his job, but he's very focused. Like even a meteor coming through his window won't stop him from making stupid little claymation characters. <laughs> And, uh, Michael, did you catch the name of the three new characters he creates? Yeah, it was, uh, it was Truck. That's the big Russian guy. Nit, that's, uh, I think he's a mute. I'm not sure if he talks or not. Yeah, he does talk. And then there's Specs, because he wears glasses. So it's really clever. Everything except for Nit. I didn't get that one. Oh, because of Nitwit. I don't understand how that worked out. Oh, Nitwit. I was thinking, like, lice or something. (laughs) Did you guys see the other fun little fact about it? That Nit is voiced by a woman named June Foray who was the voice of Rocky in Rocky and Bullwinkle. But the weird thing about that is 
it's the only character that doesn't talk. So they hired the only, let's say, famous voice actor, and they gave it to the character who doesn't say anything. So she just did stuff like, hmm, ah, meh. Those are noises. <laughs> and that makes sense for the show. Uh, excellent use of talent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I also like the truck. This like he's kind of a big, burly, bearded claymation character. Was inexplicably Russian. Yeah, he's like, vaguely Eastern European. And these are supposed to be alien clay creatures who have just landed on this planet. <laughs> My theory is, so it's a sentient goo. It's gone into the clay. And when he creates a character, the, the goo is gone. You know what the kind of voice this looks like it would work with? Eastern European. You know what voice this would be? And they, you know, nerdy voice because he's got glasses. I think that's how it worked. I think that was the thinking behind the goo. So, Jordan, Michael, this is just occurring to me now. Sentient space goo coming from outside is this a prequel to star trek deep space nine and odo <laughs> there's a, there's another dated reference <laughs> uh, i'm still working through next generation i haven't got to deep space nine yet <laughs> all right well let's keep going we see him like basically sculpt these three humanoid looking uh, new characters and he names them the danger team. No more animal dangers. It's the danger team. And we cut from him finishing sculpting them to him placing a VHS tape into a VCR. And we get to watch the first uh, safety video starring the danger team. All within the day, mind you. Yeah, he does this very quickly. Or maybe it's been months. I don't know. Well, yeah, going back to Jordan's point, though, very focused. Yeah, he's very focused. He takes a lot of Adderall, and he's just, like, making these guys. <laughs> can, can I mention one thing? That every time the uh, the little uh, Danger Team characters move, do you notice they make sort of, like, farting noises? That's, like, their Transformer noise. It's just like... <laughs> that's to get the kids laughing, I think. Well, do you guys want to describe what I think was probably the highlight of this, of this entire show? The animated film Danger in the Driveway? <laughs> I have... A lot of problems with that whole animation sequence but you guys go ahead well why don't you tell us what happens in it first what it's about it's a safety film of some sort about danger in the driveway yeah it's a, a i guess an automobile safety film that teaches you safe driving safe backing up safe lane changing all that stuff uh teaches you to obey do not enter or no entry signs on roadways so you don't drive off a cliff but the whole time none of these characters are wearing seatbelts. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's all I could think about. I, I also was wondering, too, because it seemed to me this entire safety film was built around the idea of, like, how to back up a car. And I was just like, that's not enough information for a safety film. I think the most interesting thing is of a, of a TV show that I think clocks in at about 28 minutes, including commercials, they spent at least two minutes on this safety video that adds nothing to the plot or character development. Nothing at a all. show that, again, moves so fast, there's no time for anything to like, but we need to actually show... Uh, we need to show what he's working on so we can believe this world. Jordan, true or false, though? The safety video was the best part of the episode. Uh, no, I think the commercials are the best part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The com- they were so nostalgic. Did, did you was, guys just great. want to run out and buy yourself a McDonald's fajita? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was honestly i did enjoy the commercials as well they were a pleasant break from the show but there weren't nearly enough of them i agree now do you think that's because there was less commercials at that time or just whoever was had been recording it cut out some of them i think this was a special presentation of this hot new pilot very few commercials Mm, yeah they didn't they didn't want you to lose the momentum but yeah we get to watch his whole safety film that he's made with his new team the danger squad we cut out of the safety video to danger team danger team i'm sorry not the squad the team (laughs) To Chris standing in his studio being like, well, 
That tape went so well that it saved my career, and now I can afford my rent and to eat and to buy clothes again. And it, yeah, to Michael's point, did this happen in one afternoon, or is this like six months later? Sorry, he actually said something weird. He said he can afford to buy rationable clothes. Fashionable. Oh, fashionable. Oh, wow. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) The whole time I was thinking, why didn't he say that for the food part? Okay, fashionable. (laughs) But he still doesn't buy fashionable clothes. Anyways. All right, well, might have been fashionable 1991. Yes, so <laughs> it's all parachute pants. All that stuff's coming back, anyways. But yes, uh, apparently the Danger Team has somehow saved his career in safety filmmaking. Um, we then cut to a man in a fedora using an eight-inch floppy disk to take files off of a computer, <laughs> with no explanation at all. <laughs> <laughs> like just it just cuts to that. It's like what the hell's going on? Isn't it amazing how fast the technologies change? Because those are almost predate any of my knowledge i remember what were the the smaller discs like the black three and ones? a half inch yeah i remember yeah. those but i don't even remember those gigantic floppy ones like it seems so incredibly dated from what is it it's only 20 something years ago 30 years ago yeah anyway <laughs> oh, it's cra- no it's crazy I, I don't remember those at all three and a half inch floppy i remember using in like grade eight but like i i've never used those really large ones i mean maybe the gen x crowd that was a bit more of a fan. Or... <laughs> I, I definitely had used them at my school. I don't think we had very good technology at my school. Used to play uh, Oregon Trail and Odell Lake on those little discs. Nice. Memories. Um, anyway, this man is essentially a client of the detective agency. He's hired them to prove that his partner at the Styx nightclub is embezzling from the nightclub. And on this disc, what he's done is he's stolen the second set of accounting books that his partner is using to uh, embezzle that money and hide it from, I guess, him, I guess. I'm not clear why his partner is such a scumbag to him. You would think he would know how bad his partner is just by looking at his face. Like later on, we meet the guy. He's just like, I'm like, well, he's clearly a villain. You don't need this detective agency to investigate anything. He's sitting behind an old big evil villain desk the whole time. Also, he, he has the information on the floppy disk, so I don't understand what the detective agency has to do with this. Just go to the police. I had that same question, too. I'm just like, you have you did all the detective work, sir. What do you yeah. need the agency for? What it probably is is they have a good printer, so he gives them the disk and they print it all out for him because he, he, <laughs> he, he just likes it in hard copy. <laughs> but yes, this man with a fedora is supposed to drop the disk off at the detective agency tonight. I guess after hours. So Cheryl's supervisor gives her a new task other than bookkeeping because she's so desperately a detective. He wants her to stay at the detective agency all night, wait for this client to show up with the disc and take it from him. But also the supervisor flat out tells her, I don't expect him to show up. So you're going to be sitting here for no reason all night. But why, why would he think his own client wouldn't show up? Yeah, it's, it's it's almost played as if it's supposed to be some sort of punishment because she's asked for um, a promotion. But again, it doesn't make sense. It's like, but you guys said you needed this thing. So either have her sit there and don't do anything all night or have someone you trust and have them show up. Uh, it was just weird. Again, they're trying to just make this boss like this antagonist for some reason. But he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, but okay. <laughs> anyway, I guess we cut to after hours and... Cheryl immediately, like, everyone must have just left the office because Cheryl immediately leaves the detective agency to go back up to the animation studio. And I was just like, she does not care about this job at all, does she? Not at all. I had the same thought. I was just like, this is unbelievable. But like, but again, w- would you promote her? She's She's got to be, like, everyone's worked with someone like this. They're just like, yeah, hey, I'm taking another lunch break for two hours. Like, give me a break. I would never promote this woman. And just proving her boss right. Yeah. 
she she goes up to visit Chris and she's like, I'm so sleepy, Chris, and hungry. So Chris says, why don't I go buy us burritos? So bur- I just love how much he said burritos. Chris then goes ahead and puts on his own fedora. Yeah, and you know what the funny thing about this was? I didn't realize that was going to be like a plot point because he put on his fedora and I thought, there's so many fedoras in this show. Like, was that a real like like fashion statement? 1991 It's like, oh no, they just can't think of any way else to have this stupid uh, event happen. Cheryl immediately falls asleep on his couch. She's tuckered out. She's she's tired. She's tired, lady. She's been up all day. She can't she can't be bothered to stay awake any longer. And uh, as Chris goes outside to get these burritos, um, waiting outside the detective agency is a, some are some goons sent over by the evil nightclub owner. Uh, they're waiting for that client to drop by with that disc so they can kidnap him and take away his, uh, I guess, the books from him. But the only thing the evil nightclub to- owner has told them about the man they're looking for is he always wears a hat. And that's it. That's all the information they need. It's all the information they're given. They see Chris in his hat, immediately beat him up and kidnap him. Yeah. This is when I first started noting, noticing how fast this show is actually going. It's just one thing after another. But like you guys were saying earlier, there's no explanation for any of it. Like when he was kidnapped, I didn't understand what was going on. He's like walking down the street, just gets kidnapped. It, it, I had to like kind of connect the two dots in my own head, which I shouldn't have to do if I'm watching a good TV show. They should do that for me. <laughs> just saying. Uh, well, I will say you're right. It does move quickly, but I will say we are halfway through this episode now, and this is the first time the Danger Team really like comes to life as like sentient, animated on their own characters. Because Cheryl's asleep, Chris is gone, and now suddenly the Danger Team is watching out the window, and they're seeing Chris get kidnapped, and they're just like, "Well, you know what that means." It's time for us to go rescue him because we're this cool crime fighting outfit. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand why that was their goal, but uh, sure. All right. The danger team is super extraterrestrial goo fighters who. Well, they feel people. they feel a loyalty to Chris for some reason, I think, because in some way he's their God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but there's a little problem with their plan to go save him. If they leave his studio, they won't have access to the water from his filthy sink, which is the only water they're allowed to use to keep themselves hydrated to stop the clay from drying out. Yeah, it was a weird thing because it's a a little problem they've put in the show as if it's going to add like a clock or something onto it. Like, oh, no, I hope they solve the crime in time before they dry out. But also wasn't needed. And it's this needless bit of complication of it has to be this specific water. It's like, why? Why does it matter? Yeah. No, I don't know. It doesn't add anything. It's like someone was like, you got to have that in. It's, it's just either it's supposed to be hilarious that it's the rusty sink water or it's like a, uh, a yeah, like a time bomb sort of thing. Because they can turn it into water also. They can like shapeshift into anything they want. Like Nitz or Nit, he turns into a ball of water later on the episode. So that is the true. Problem? Yeah, we'll, turn to water. we'll get to that. I have a lot of questions about their powers. But uh, we now know they want to save Chris. But they cannot get too far away from the studio because they need that specific water for some reason. So they decide it's time to reveal their sentient nature to Cheryl so she can help them. And they have to be careful doing it to not cause, quote, permanent emotional damage. So they decide to write a series of notes. Well, did you guys write down what those notes read? I did. First note was, if you think... (laughs) We're not real. Yeah, if you think we're not real. Oh, no, if you think we're just clay puppets turn around oh, yeah. 
we ain't no Muppets. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to not, like, permanently scar her for life. Yeah. Well, and this how they choose to reveal themselves is there's, like, a globe on a desk. He pours out of it like an egg cracking open. And then the other one seems to be living digitally inside of a computer, appears on the monitor, and then slides out of the, like, disc hole. But I... This is something I didn't understand because later we'll even see them like jump into Cheryl's purse and they don't like open the purse and climb in. They like jump onto the outside of the purse and seem to like meld into the fabric itself. I don't understand what their powers are. I thought they were just like clay, but they seem to be able to absorb into things. They can atomize. They they can break down to the subatomic particle level. Ah, I see. I think that's very clear, Luke. (laughs) It was just such a weird way of introducing. I just like could never get a hold of their powers. But uh, I mean, you know, we get this whole very, it's, it's very Looney Tunes. They're like, do this whole gag where they hold up signs that say the danger team to introduce themselves and knit because he's the dumb one keeps holding the wrong sign up and it causes them to like morph into a duck or morph into a dog. I don't know. They just morph into like a thousand different animals. It's hilarious. But this is all leading up to them shouting when they finally gets it right and says the danger team on their signs, their incredible catchphrase. Oh, what is the catchphrase? Danger ho. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Danger ho. Not to be confused with the danger ho. That's what you used to like work in your garden? That's what I called uh, Cheryl. <laughs> when we get to the end, when we get... <laughs> the, the last, when we get to the end of the episode, it'll all become clear. You'll explain yourself then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when I'll explain myself, so no one can say I'm being rude. Everybody, just wait. Don't get mad at Michael yet. <laughs> yep, don't get mad yet, because. You know, Cheryl said it, so we'll get to there. Cheryl, of course, there's a whole sequence where she's like, I don't believe my eyes. I must be going crazy. Uh, But the phone is ringing down in the detective agency. And since it is her job to work at the detective agency, she heads down there, answers the phone. And it's that client she's supposed to get the disc from. He was outside the detective agency and witnessed the goons taking the wrong man in the wrong hat. And now he's too afraid to come in to bring this disc. So he's going into hiding. But he at least tells Cheryl that basically her friend Chris has been abducted and he's probably being held at the nightclub. So if she wants to rescue him, she's going to have to head to the Styx nightclub. Did we ever see the sign for Styx? I assumed it was S-T-I-X. Did you guys think the same thing? I literally wrote that same thing down. (laughs) Why is that? Why did? Why wouldn't it be S T I C K S? But I I just assumed it would be sticks, and the sticks would be two pool cues. I know why, Jordan. Why? Because that is a bar in Toronto with that exact logo and that exact spell. Is that right? Oh, that's funny. It's somewhere in my subconscious. It's very funny that you imagined the exact same thing because it's down the street from where I live, and I'm just oh, like immediately funny. they said it. I'm just like I just imagined that place. Right. <laughs> that's funny. So we cut to the nightclub. The boss is mad at the goons for grabbing the wrong guy. They're like, what are we going to do with him? I don't know. I guess we'll just kill him for now. <laughs> um, but first, the the boss is like, let's lock him in my wine cage, a cage full of wine inside of my office. Well, I think he says uh, I, I, he's the wrong guy. So kill him. But first, get me a drink. <laughs> but yes, uh, Jordan, second show in a row where we're seeing a wine based hostage holding. That's true. That's true. What was the last one? Bionic Woman. Uh, that was a wine vault this is now a wine cage that old trope so cheryl arrives at the nightclub and uh the danger team reappears to uh i guess they jump out of her cassette deck for some reason 
in her car and they're like, we're going to help you. Um, but we have one stipulation for assisting you in rescuing our friend, Chris. You may never reveal to him that we are sentient. Yeah. And I thought, why? <laughs> I had the same They, they just revealed herself to Cheryl. Like, wh- why, why Cheryl? What's so special about her? She's battered her job. She got bad time management. She has other people do her detective work for her. Why reveal her to this one? Reveal it to Chris. He's at least got uh, he's got gumption and drive. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah. He, Chris would love it too. Like he'd be all over that. That'd be like the best thing ever for his life. It does seem cruel, right? Like for a man who makes claymation for a living to refuse to reveal yourself, like sentient claymation creations to your creator. Like it does seem cruel to not do it for him. Maybe that was the point. Oh, they're mean. Like they're like actually like yeah. nasty little creatures. Knocking down space. a few pegs. Letting Cheryl pretend she's a detective when they know she's not. They're just playing into the charade. They're like, Cheryl, we need to rescue Chris because we're actually here on Earth on a mission from outer space to gaslight this guy till he, like, goes insane. <laughs> so you can't tell him we're alive because we need to do that mission, too. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cheryl heads into the nightclub with a danger squad. This is the most sparsely over uh, sparsely attended nightclub that is also overlit I've ever seen. <laughs> I couldn't tell what's supposed to what it was supposed to be. Like it kind of looked like a bar, but then kind of looked like like a venue for concerts. It was in odd odd location. It doesn't really matter to anything. I just didn't think it looked very good. Yeah, it's a mess. It's they didn't spend their money on this on this set. They have a very '90s vibe to it as well. You didn't have to spend lots of money in the '90s to decorate a bar. So. <laughs> just some lights, some tables. You just need a good. pool table, like one that like costs a dollar to operate, and some blue neon lights. You're good to go. Well, you spent all your money on the sign that has the two pool cues for the X. Yeah, exactly. That's that's classic. <laughs> oh, and serve drinks after 2 a.m. That's also another thing you got to do if you want to own a bar in the 90s. That is Cheryl's first piece of detective work is they're looking around the club trying to find something out of the ordinary. And she spots a bartender mixing a drink and says, wait a minute. It's after 2 a.m. He can't be serving the clientele. Mm-hmm. He must be a kidnapper. That's when I knew Cheryl was going to be an all right detective. I I wouldn't have thought about that. I would have just tried to, I don't know, walk around to the place and see if I could get into other rooms and maybe find that that wine vault. Now that she kind of suspects that this bartender is involved with the kidnapping in some way, she turns to the danger squad who is just like walking around on the bar for all to see and asks them if they can help by like maybe becoming a police officer or something. And two of the danger team now morph into cops one of them morphs into i think a caricature of yeah. colombo but i did not know what the other caricature they morphed into kojak i knew you would know jordan thank you kojak you say it was colombo and kojak it's it's literally a reference that was dated 1991 and we're watching it in 2020 <laughs> but i just like oh isn't that hilarious it's colombo and kojak it's a joke <laughs> only for me I I had faith that you would recognize that one cop, but when that happened, I just stared blankly at the screen. I was like, am I supposed to know what that is? Well, it's a weird thing, and I, we can discuss it more later, uh, what the intended audience was for this. But let's say it's for a kid's audience. They're not going to get that joke. I, I have no idea. While they're kind of watching, like, the kidnapper's making these drinks. He he puts them on a tray like a waiter and then grabs a bowl of pretzels to go along with the drinks for his boss. And this is where Specs, because he has glasses for eyes, comes up with an idea. If he throws his glasses into the bowl of pretzels, they'll be able to watch where this character goes via his eyeballs um, from the bar area. But if I you suppose. think about it, really all of this happened because the one, let's say kidnapper, whatever he is, 
the one goon because he went above and beyond the the boss only asked for a drink and he thought you know what i'm gonna get him a drink and pretzels he went above and beyond what was asked and because of that they lose there's a lesson <laughs> in there somewhere kids while this is going on and michael you mentioned this earlier the character Nit, I guess we're supposed to understand that he's always hungry all the time. So he's been eating uh, like olives that are on the bar and he grabs like a hot pepper that's in the mix and it burns his mouth. So he, instead of drinking a bottle of water that's nearby, he seems to just morph molecularly into the bottle of water. So it's both a bottle of water and also yeah, he became him. the water for that. But if he was smart, which he's not, because we know, we'd been established as Nit is not smart, he would know that water is actually worse for hot food. He should have morphed into a bottle of milk. He would have morphed into if milk. If he did morph into a bottle of milk, uh... the boss would have been like, when they put them on the tray, it would have been like, what's up? Well, that comes up. Yeah, <laughs> why, 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 what do I need milk for? Are you implying something? What is this? The pretzels are weird enough, but the milk? Come on. Ask for a drink. <laughs> yes, uh, as you say, Nit is as, knit as a bottle of water is also put on the tray and brought to the boss for some reason. Yeah. It is weird that in a show where the whole point of the show is the antics of these little cartoon animation characters is that no one has stopped and thought, how do these powers actually work? <laughs> you would think it was just them morphing into things. Like, that's what I assumed. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, now I'm uh, like Columbo. Now I'm a car that drives around. But they seem to have... Just weird abilities that are far beyond. I think their climate. abilities are just plain magic. It's like, what are their powers? Magic. So, which means everything. Whatever, yeah, whatever magic. Need. I think oh, okay. uh, the the tagline of their their abilities are far beyond clay would be great for this show. Oh, that's, that's very good. Pretty, yeah, yeah. All right. Also, we I'll, just stick I'll in that line that that, anyway. uh, that duck line that Michael had earlier. This thing's a gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's bring it back. Let's pitch Netflix. So. Now that they know because of the eyeballs in the pretzel dish, which is actually kind of fun because they, they shot it very much like a point uh, of view. Yeah. Like a breaking bad shot. That. It's like a camera in a pretzel That was dish. the best piece of cinematography in the whole show, though. That actually took some effort. Like, they actually didn't really think about that one. It really stood out to me, too. I was just like, this is someone somewhere like was just like, I got one idea for this show. <laughs> Like a C camera operator or something. It's like, oh, let's just put the pretzel bowl in front of the camera. The the eyeballs have revealed to them both where the boss's office is and that inside of the boss's office, Chris is tied up inside of the wine cage. So Cheryl proceeds to just walk directly into the boss's office unannounced. And I guess she goes in there and just like, hello, you don't know me, but I have a floppy disk with all your financial information. I will trade it for my friend Chris, who is in your wine uh, vault. But what I like is the, the 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 bad guy. I don't think we ever learned his name. Let's call him Jerry. Jerry's like, uh, uh, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good deal. Then he reaches in to get his gun. So I was like, so he, his plan was he was just going to kill her right there? Just straight up murder her right in his own office. Yeah. Yep. Like, I don't 100%. think you have to do too much detective work to find out if this is a bad guy. He's just He just is willing to kill people, like, immediately in front of him. Well, that's what I was just like. I'm like, this per- this person had goons kidnap a man off the street. Do you think it's wise to just wander in and just, like, demand things of him? Like, you have no oh, Yeah, leverage. she doesn't even have the floppy disk, as we learned. It's it's Nit who's transforming to the floppy disk based off her bad explanation of what a floppy disk looks like. 
Yeah, that's that's the comedy yeah. that has to happen. She's like, I have the floppy disk right here, and without telling them, like it's like she assumes they have, she has a shorthand with the danger team, but they've only met about thirty seconds ago, and so she's like, uh, quickly, essentially, why don't you become a floppy disk? So it like keeps trying to become it, and she has to keep describing it, which I have to say, it the little uh, a creature Zippy or whatever his name is, he does most of the work there because she does not describe a disk at all. She's like, she's like, it's a disk with a hole in it. I'm like, I wouldn't know what that looked like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, well, that's happening, as you mentioned, Jordan. He's reaching in his desk to grab his gun to kill her, I guess. He's just going to kill her and take that disc. But Old Truck, the Russian, for some reason, claymation character, has climbed in and he's, like, using the gun to, like, wedge the desk closed so he can't pull the gun out. But also his arm is stuck in the drawer now? Yeah, exactly. If you just would let go of the gun, you could have got his arm out. It's like the monkey and the banana in the cage. I was thinking the exact same thing. Classic (laughs) monkeys. Yeah. Um, So uh, anyway, like, so I guess the whole point is he's trapped. So he has to give in to Cheryl instead of killing her. So he throws her the keys to the cage. And then one of the danger team accidentally jumps on a button that's on the floor under the desk, which sets off an alarm, which immediately calls the police directly to the nightclub. Yeah, I took exception to that. That, that. that was a big problem for me. It is funny because they have, it's good. They're moving at such a pace that they have to have things happen immediately without much explanation. But you're just uh, sort of as a viewer, just left bewildered. You're like, well, why there's a button and yeah. and he has a direct, why does he have a direct line to the police? Or it's just that he, what he paid, he has a really expensive uh, security system. So but I like, don't know. This it, is it, also a guy that is willing to murder someone in a room with a, a button that leads police to that room. Doesn't make sense. It's supposed to be evil. But you know what? The danger team knew. They just knew if they pushed that button. I, I didn't even think of that. That's another point. Like, how, how did they know that? They're the danger what? team. They just, it's not clear what they do. The, the danger team, baby. I think the point of this show, it's actually very smart if you think about it. You're supposed to be the detective. The viewer becomes the detective to try to figure out how everyone knows everything. It's, it's a different level. Very clever. Up. Yeah, it's, it's very meta. Well, now that the police are on their way, the bad guy has trapped his arm in the desk so he can't get away. Cheryl unlocks the wine cage, unties Chris, and then looks at him and says, press charges, and then leaves him there with the bag. Yeah, she leaves like she's Superman or something. She's like, well, my work's here is done. I've got to go go save a cat out of a tree. She did nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. She just walked around from room to room the whole yeah, episode. Wh- why did they need her to... Because, like, my only assumption would be the danger team needed her to drive. But they clearly can, like, manipulate anything. So they, they could have, I'm sure, run a car and driven it over. They solved everything themselves. Or just turned it to an airplane. Well, Jordan... It's her time to shine right now in the episode because at this moment, the danger team is out of water. They're drying out. Their limbs are mm. falling off and she must desperately race across town to get them back to his studio so they can stand in that one sink that allows That's them right. to get wet. Yeah. That's was her purpose, Jordan, is to like be there for when they ran out of so moisture. So she's like an Uber driver to them. Yeah, she's just there for like that moment. She's their manager, basically. Ah, They're thirsty now. They, she needs to go get them some water. <laughs> But yes, she races back to the studio, tosses them into that filthy sink, and they have a real, you know, fake out moment where she's just like, oh, no, it's too late. I didn't get them back to this one sink that water comes out of in the entire world. And then, like, they get up and start, like, drinking water in zany ways. And they're like, we're back, baby. 
Yeah, and she's all upset about them. I think if it was if there was me and I had these little magical creatures show up and they'd be like, oh, they dried out. I'd be like, well, them's the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> Back to my life. I guess that r- brief bout of schizophrenia is over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we cut to the next morning. Cheryl's back at the detective agency, and her supervisor is telling her that the client brought that disc in after all, after he found out the nightclub owner boss had been arrested. So I guess he got his confidence back and returned to the detective agency to finally drop off that disc. And because of that, Cheryl's getting promoted to junior detective. Yeah. But it's still not clear, though, what that disc had to do with anything. So he like, what what did he get arrested for? He got arrested for kidnapping... What's yeah. his face? So it's like, he's in jail. What do you even need the disc for anymore? Wasn't that the whole point? Well, I also have a question, too, is Cheryl's getting promoted, but she did not acquire the disc from the man she was supposed to last night. They do not know she went to that nightclub and accidentally got that man arrested. And the guy came in the next morning and dropped it off with someone else. Like, as far as this boss knows, Cheryl left work when she shouldn't have. The desk never came. And she wasn't there in the morning when he got, like... She should be fired, right? Like, why is she getting promoted? To to be fair, I I don't think it's a very big promotion. It seems like she just moves from her one desk to another desk eight feet away. Junior detective. Yeah, but she's still not getting her own office. She might have a better chair. That's true. I I imagine she would take her old chair, though. I would have taken my own chair Mm. and bring it over to the new desk. That's what I would do. You're used to it. You know what I mean? Even if it's a bad chair, you get used to things. You appreciate them. (laughs) Um, but yes, she, she's been promoted to junior detective, hence kicking off what the series is going to be because she's moving into her new desk. And as she opens a drawer, hiding inside is the entire danger team. And they're very excited because if Cheryl's detect- a junior detective, that means they're going on more adventures. So, danger ho. Mm-hmm. Danger ho. Yeah, were you going to explain yourself? Yeah, now I'm going to explain myself and make people think I'm not a misogynist or something. Uh, so, they say danger ho. The boss says, excuse me, what did you say? And the big moment called me. She goes, danger ho. There, that's it. There's no <laughs> explanation for it, though. So if I was the boss, I would be like, danger ho? Because she was just promoted to a detective or junior detective. And she's, the next thing that comes out of her mouth is danger ho. What they should have had Anyways. is her say danger ho. <laughs> and then he says, what did you say? And she said, danger ho. It's these little uh, claymation characters here that are my friends. And then they cut to a scene of her getting taken away in a straitjacket. <laughs> Oh, man. Better show. Her supervisor's like, I've been looking for a reason to get rid of you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's the end of the episode. Cheryl's a junior detective. The danger team's going on new adventures. And this show is not going to series. No, definitely not. I I also just realized, wouldn't Chris be wondering where his puppets are? Yeah. She would think that. Yeah. There's another scene. She gets taken away in a straitjacket, and then the camera pulls up to his studio, and he's hung himself because he's lost his (laughs) only means of income. He's just he just slowly swaying, and then and then it cuts to one of those guys, Knit or whatever, and he just winks at the audience. You're like, what? What was this show? (laughs) Oh man. I mean, did you guys have any final notes on this show before we get to ratings? Can we mention all the products that had commercials? I mean, if you want to. Okay. First commercial break, we had shredded wheat and McDonald's chicken fajitas. Do you guys enjoy those? Never had them. I guess that's a no. All right. Second commercial break, we had Pizza Hut, Tropicana, Kodak, and Pontiac. I don't even think, is Pontiac even a car anymore? I don't think Detroit's a thing anymore, so probably not. (laughs) Too soon. 
and uh and that finally Pontiac car though man that was the boxiest thing i've ever seen yeah. <laughs> and then wrapping it up we had seven up stain stick which i don't know if there was a actual company but they just kept saying stain stick and then uh the old kfc hey there you go all top-notch brands multiple choice uh kfc bucket i remember when those came out it was hot big thing yeah you could have it's the best of both worlds you're like oh, yeah you, you don't gotta block your eyesight and fall down manholes anymore <laughs> in one bucket Go home and be in glutton. Why did they decide that uh, the vehicle for the chicken had to be the bucket? They're still going with the bucket, huh? No one else does it. It's their thing. What else would you use? What would you, you use? Know, a box. They have boxes. Or just like a greasy bag. Like a plastic, <laughs> like a pa- a, a plastic a bag, bag with that greasy chicken just sliding around. <laughs> a reused plastic grocery bag. <laughs> Anyways, Come that's down not to Jordan's go. Chicken Shack and try yeah. it out today. One bag of chicken, please. <laughs> Who wants a bag of chicken guts? I fried them. That's the voice, too. Oh, dear. Um, did you read the comments on the YouTube video? I browsed them, but none stood out to me. What what stood out to you? Well, it's just people seem kind of excited about it being up on YouTube. They were talking about how they taped it back in the 90s and they used to watch it all the time. And I was thinking, what kind of psychotic person <laughs> tapes this and watches it all the time and enjoys now it? Now that you mentioned it, I do remember someone on the comment saying, I taped this at some point. And then I let my child watch it over and over again. But I imagine their child like was born in like 2005. And I'm just trying to imagine this kid who watched this VHS tape over and over again. Yeah, I think that was the top comment on there. There was also some people who were saying like, I remember this show airing and I tried to ask people if they'd ever heard or seen the show and people always said no. So this makes me feel like I'm not insane. So, which I respect. I feel like there's probably some people who thought they had a brief mental breakdown and imagined this yeah. show. It does feel like a show yeah. that you have a, a very vague memory of and, and keep thinking, there's no way this was real. There's no way they aired anything like this. Yeah, actually, I'm just looking at the comments now. There's only five comments. I thought there were more. One comment just says, the math teacher from the Wonder Years, Mr. Collins, in quotes, I'm not your friend, Mr. Arnold. I'm your teacher, end quote. That's because the the boss in the show, the guy that should have fired her, he was from the Wonder Years. Uh, okay. Uh, another comment just says, they don't get any better looking than that. <laughs> <laughs> she means the claymation, guys. I want to bring something up because, you know, this show is just like the most cut rate children's like looney tune knockoff kind of thing that i've I've ever seen and when it was over i was sitting there being like why did i watch this for the podcast and i really had to search my mind to remember the only piece of science fiction in this is that that tiny meteorite came through a window and was never commented on again yeah well they're they're essentially aliens luke well that's what i mean it's like i realized like oh these are technically alien creatures but this show, like, this show wants to get past that so fast. It's funny because they want to get past it to show the hilarious antics of these characters. But all they do is they turn into a, a glass of water at one point. That's about it. All right. Should we rate these? Mm-hmm. Should we rate the, these? this one episode, the danger team, the pilot? Michael, why don't you lead us off? Out of 10, what do you think the danger team's worth? I'm going to give two ratings. One rating for being back in 1991. I would probably give it a solid seven if it were still 1991. Okay. Not for story, just for in terms of, you know, I'm going to bump that down to a four. Actually. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a, a big, big drop. Um, yeah. The more I think about it, it didn't take me long, but the more I think about it, uh, there was no audience. Uh, the acting was horrible. The writing was horrible. It was too fast paced, but not in an exciting way, in a very slow way, if that's the thing. And uh, it was just kind of all over the place. And I don't think Tom Green did a very good job his his better stuff came later in the 90s more of, you're more of a freddie got fingered fan 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Because that, that one's more more along my levels. Whatever. This one's more for more sort of pedestrian, if you know what I mean. So, wait, is that your 1991 rating? What's your 2020 rating? 2020 rating, I would probably give it a, a two. If that came out today, I'd be really annoyed. It'd be one of those things where you just ask, how did this get made? They go, oh, yeah, government funding. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Jordan? What do you think? I'm trying to think of the lowest rating I could possibly give this thing. So I'm going to give this a 0.5. <laughs> you can go lower than that. A bold, a bold, a bold rating. You got other decimal points. You can, you can go to like the thousands. Well, I mean, points. look, they get point, point 0.5 of a point for filming it and finishing it and putting it on TV. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good point. Um, I was also thinking about it and uh, I'm going to give it a one. And it was only because I think I was like, mildly entertained for maybe 30 seconds when i watched that safety video like the animation that that was some effort at least so the animators did a good job i agree i also was just like well at least the animators worked hard and it was good for their resume too because the story wise doesn't matter but the animation was on point especially for 1991 yeah one of them went on to a storied career of writing animated tv so it helped one guy Mm -hmm. for sure well that about wraps it up i guess for the danger team uh michael thank you so much for joining us this week i'm glad you came and wanted to watch danger team with us yeah that was my pleasure glad to be here and uh once again this week we are doing a cross promotion with another podcast we're playing their promo at the end of the episode they're playing our promo at the end of their episode and it is a show called discussing trek it's a panel sort of discussion show where they're watching new trek shows they're watching old trek shows and kind of uh, discussing how they fit into the canon of star trek and the world at large so you can uh, stick around to the end of this show after our credits they'll uh, the host of that will tell you a little bit more about their show and that about wraps it up so uh you can reach us to talk with the danger team at our email address continuumdrag at gmail.com and then on instagram and twitter at continuumdrag's the handle there we're gonna have some weird claymation clips of this show that's for sure i think we should make sure to put up everything but the claymation so it had, there's there's no reason why we've watched this show it's just scenes of like characters talking just that boss not wanting to promote her yeah exactly um but yeah that that wraps it up so uh, listener thank you my, so much for joining us this week and jordan i'll see you next week see you then danger ho jordan <laughs> danger michael didn't you call her a danger slut at some point (laughs) oh man what are you doing continuum drag is recorded in toronto ontario theme music by james rex seedler produced by jordan dulloch and luke black special thanks to aaron Hughes. Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. I'm your host Clarence and I wanted to introduce you to the podcast. Discussing Trek is all about keeping you informed on the latest news and episode reviews in the Star Trek universe, while also staying engaged with our community of listeners. So be sure to hit that subscribe button for weekly content and stay locked in to DiscussingTrek.com for more information. Until next time guys, live long and prosper.